Hello and welcome to Women Own Wealth. This is episode five with your host here, Tara Johnson, and we are going to finish up this four-part series on investing and talk about how to get started. Well, I think that over the last three episodes, we've covered some decent ground, um, learning more about investing, okay? So now you're probably asking, how do I get started? Well, I wanna assure you that you don't need to be in a, a man in a tailored suit or on Wall Street to start investing. Times have definitely changed and there are a lot of options out there for you. So I wanna start out with a few recommendations just out of the gate here. Uh, one is start saving. Uh, many people think that they don't have enough money to get started or their month to month budget is a little too tight. Well, let me just tell you that you need to start somewhere. Uh, setting aside a monthly investment amount is crucial to getting the ball rolling and compound investing can start now for you. So maybe it's time to take a look at some of your unnecessary discretionary spending like Starbucks or subscriptions you don't often use, or even the last minute grabs at the checkout line and, and move towards monthly contributions into an investment. Maybe it's something as little as $50 a month. Uh, that's enough to get started and then you'll soon realize that you can do a little bit more. And it'll be nice to see that uh, compound into something a little bit more substantial. Number two, make it automated. So automation is so easy nowadays. I mean, we have everything, all of our bills set up automated. Uh, so we can do that with investments and most resources can do that with your investments. So get it automated and get it going. And then thirdly, if you haven't started investing in your employer plan, start. Okay. Many people start a new job. Maybe they're not eligible right a bit right away or cash flow, like I say, is a little too tight and they don't think that they can uh, quite get started. Well, um, you can, uh, or they might look back after a couple years after being at their job and realize, oh, shoot, I didn't get going on that. So if that's the case, call your HR department today and get on the enrollment list ASAP and get that going. Okay, so those are my first three recommendations. It doesn't tell you how to get started, but it's just something and a little bit of a, uh, a fire to get you going investing. So now there are a few things that I want to uh, talk about before you actually pull the trigger and start investing. These considerations are somewhat of a checklist. I have six items that uh, I think you should discuss with your partner or spouse or even just jot them down or think about uh, before you start investing. So Number one, how much do you want to invest? As I stated previously, it may just be a monthly contribution that you want to set up on an automatic basis. So here are some things to consider when deciding how much you want to start with. Well, one, you need to think about your budget. Okay, so have you finalized a budget? Uh, if you haven't, now is the time to look at what your net income is each month. Uh, and then look at your non-discretionary bills. And when I say non-discretionary bills, I'm saying things that need to be paid every month. You have your mortgage, you have your utilities, maybe you're paying for daycare, maybe you have um, some health costs that are automatic and, and necessary. So what are those? And then how much is left after all that is, is spent? The key is to determine how much room you have to work with at the end of that. So we need to work in some amount of saving. And I will do a podcast uh, solely on budgeting because I really think there is a system out there that works. But uh, here's just a place to start. Look at your non-discretionary expenses and see what you have left and see what you can afford to save. Secondly, uh, do you have an employer plan? So if so, do they match? Well, if they do match, I encourage you to at least start with that uh, contribution up to the match. If anything, let's start there. 
and then also, have you assessed your emergency fund uh, and cash on hand? In conversations that I have with my clients, I encourage you to have six to 12 months of cash in your savings or emergency fund, and then keep day-to-day checking low for month-to-month spending, right? So those are a, a few things to think about when you're assessing how much you have to invest. So walk through those few points and, and make sure you have a good starting point or have an idea of what you'd like to start with. Now, number two, think about your goal for the investment. Now you've decided how much money you can invest, or you've at least had the conversation on, and now uh, what are your goals that you want to direct that money towards? Most often it's retirement, and that's you know what a lot of people save for, and that's obviously a very broad goal, but it seems to be the most common. So here are some other financial goals that may spark your, your imagination or may bring up some more discussion with uh, your spouse or with your advisor. So like I said, number one is retirement, and if that's the case, you most likely are going to start investing or utilizing your employer plan, such as your 401k. If you don't have an option for an employer plan at work, then you may want to start a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, which we discussed in episode one, or excuse me, episode two, but investing part one. So we talked about all the types of uh, investment accounts there. Uh, but we can get pretty deep in the weeds on the types of accounts. But like I said, we've already discussed that. So um, just know that Uh, having a goal for retirement is typically longer term. Therefore, uh, you should invest accordingly. Another goal that a lot of people have is saving for your children's college. So there are many investment options uh, for saving for children's college, which I will touch on again in a separate episode. But here are a few just right out of the gate. You can utilize a 529, an UTMA account, just a normal brokerage account, a Roth IRA, Coverdell, to, to get started towards this goal. Also note that uh, your goal for potentially maybe only your two-year-old child might be different than if you have a 15-year-old child. So you got to take into consideration your goal with the age of your child as well. Another goal uh, that some people may have is a second home. So purchasing a second home may come prior to retirement. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who maybe uh, purchase a cabin or maybe a, a plot of land somewhere, and that's sometimes before they retire. So therefore, it's considered, um, excuse me, it's wise to consider Uh, what type of investment and vehicle that you use for a goal like this. So you may not want to use your IRA or your employer plan to fund this goal because you have to be 59 and a half in order to take that money out. Well, when you purchase a second home, you might not be that age. So considering uh, what type of an account you want to invest in for that goal is also a, a topic of conversation or discussion. Another goal idea would be gifting to children. So this is something that I've heard a lot of clients talk about lately. And it's not something that necessarily needs a certain account type attached to the goal, but rather maybe a goal amount, a goal time frame, or maybe a particular investment that you'd like to pass on to your children. And then lastly, another idea would be just be a home, uh, first time home purchase. So the market can be very unpredictable. And if we look at this, the housing market right now, obviously, uh, things are going like hotcakes and it's a buyer's market, or excuse me, it's a seller's market. And so uh, things change. And so it, you have to be adaptable with this goal. So, um, you know, 
set aside maybe a, a, a goal for the amount of money that you want to spend um, and set that aside into something maybe a short-term uh, bucket would, would work for that. So I'm going to move on to the third thing that you can you should consider prior to making that investment decision, right? So now that you have your goal in mind and potentially how much money you want to invest on a monthly basis or upfront, uh, what should my investment allocation look like? And we have talked about this in previous podcasts, but um, this is when we want to refer to your goal and time frame associated with that goal. So for instance, if you're a long-term investor, say 20 plus years out, this could potentially be your retirement goal. You may want to be a little bit more aggressive with your asset allocation, say 80 to 100% in equities and 0 to 20% in bonds. Um, Another thing to note is if you have a midterm goal, say 10 years out, you may want to do something a little bit more like 50-50. So that would be 50% in equities and 50% in fixed income. So this allows for maybe some upside with the equity exposure while having um, some, some growth and less volatility potentially in the fixed income portion. So that would be maybe a midterm goal. And and now looking at a short-term goal, say five years or closer, well, I typically recommend more of a money market or high-yield savings account or CD. Every situation is different, so please don't take this verbatim. But taking on risk in your uh, asset allocation for a short-term goal is something I get a little leery about just because uh, I, the volatility with the market could sometimes lead you into a, a, a bad position when you actually want to capitalize on that goal. So the fourth thing to consider is what is my risk? Okay, so this goes hand in hand with asset allocation and your goal, uh, but it's typically uh, something that we want to address or at least discuss prior to investing. Um, so there's there's a couple different uh, types of investors out there. And one, if you're a DIYer uh, and you maybe use a robo-advisor, there's typically a risk questionnaire that the program runs you through prior to starting your investment. So I encourage you to use that. If you work with an advisor, uh, risk is something that should be assessed on a regular basis to ensure you're comfortable with your um, with where your investments are allocated and you're keeping uh, on track with your goals. And then lastly, if you're investing just in your employer plan, that's the only option that you have out there, you don't have an advisor, uh, there's typically a risk assessment embedded in their program as well. And that's pretty standard too, and you can usually assess that over time as well. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, the fifth thing to consider is asset location. Okay, so we did talk about this previously as well, but asset location is different than asset allocation. Location is what uh, type of account are you going to be in, okay? And so these are discussions that I encourage you to have, like I say, with your advisor or your partner, or just uh, jot some ideas down. But uh, a retirement goal may, be, uh, may have assets located differently than something like a second home purchase. And that may be because your retirement goal, you might not retire until after 60 or excuse me, 59 and a half. Well, you might purchase your second home earlier, which 
therefore requires a different type of asset uh, or asset location in order to achieve that goal. So it's important to consider the asset type and the asset location before getting started. Lastly, number six, Thing to consider is your fees. Okay, so I think there's a lot of information online about fees. I think uh, companies have become a little bit more transparent when it comes to fees, and I really encourage you to ask questions about uh, fees if you're going with uh, just an online resource or a robo-advisor or with your 401k or even your wealth advisor, ask the questions as to what your fees are. Um, so how much are your fees? Uh, what is your all-in expense ratio is a good question to ask. Do you utilize mutual funds, indexes, or ETFs? Because all of those have fees associated with them as well. And are your fees transparent? So am I uh, working with someone who has fees embedded into their investments and I don't see them, or are they going to be a line item on my statement? Those are all things to consider uh, before investing. So now that I feel like we have a good foundation prior to actually pulling the trigger on investing, now you may be asking, well, I've done all that. I've, I've, I've talked all these topics through. Um, I've jotted down some notes. Now, what do I do? Well, when I think about investors out there, a few profiles come to mind. So the steps to actually, like I say, pulling the trigger on this are a little bit different. So one, I'm going to go through a few different personas, if you will. The first type of person would be, okay, say you have a relationship with your advisor, uh, but like truthfully, many women out there, maybe we've taken a back seat to the investing relationship. Uh, so maybe you want to bring some questions to the table at your next meeting or your family has maybe additional cash we're sitting on the sidelines that you'd like to invest. Or maybe you don't know if uh, you're on target to your goals and want to invest on a monthly basis to help reach those goals. So if this is you, I encourage you to, one, speak with your spouse about your goals, budget, and risk prior to meeting with your advisor. So have this dialogue prior to going in with your advisor so you both are on the same page about what those questions are. Uh, secondly, schedule a meeting to visit with your advisor and let them know your current thoughts so they can be prepared with some recommendations rather than, you know, you know obviously you want to have a dialogue during the meeting, but it's nice to uh, give them a heads up so they can prepare and have some options for you. And then thirdly, ask your advisor to provide your current savings rate and progress towards your goals so you know where you stand when you get to the meeting uh, to see if you really need to ramp up your savings or if you feel like you're in a good place. Okay, the other persona that I'll talk about is say you're brand new to investing world and you just want an account for yourself because you don't want to miss the ball. You don't want to look back five years from now and say, gosh, I just wish I would have thrown in 50 bucks a month, right? Or maybe you're a DIY or investor, so you need a place to get started. Well, if this is you, I encourage you to assess the six uh, key considerations that I just talked about. Uh, once you've done that, here are a few options for investing on your own. And this could be just, you know, individual stocks or uh, ETFs. You know, they usually have a lot of options through these resources. So E-Trade is one of them. TD Ameritrade Retail is another good trading platform or Robinhood. There's obviously a lot more out there, but these three come uh, decently recommended. Uh, just uh, Also, you can just Google search, how do I get started on self-investing? And, and you typically can find a good resource. But these are three that um, I believe would do a good job. And so the third persona that I, I can 
visualize as, as being an option for someone would be, uh, say you're someone that maybe feels intimidated going to a wealth advisor for help. Uh, maybe you don't think you have their minimum or you're just intimidated by talking with someone in person about uh, your you know, personal financial wealth. So, uh, but still want some advice and, and potentially and most likely at a low cost. So there are some options out there for you as well. And what we call these options are robo-advisors. So three main ones out there are Betterment, M1 Finance, and Wealthfront. So uh, obviously, uh, you can do some research on each one of these, uh, but that it's a good way to get started, run through a risk risk questionnaire, get automation set up, maybe some advice here and there, uh, probably just direct to you. But uh, give those a shot if this is someone like you. Now, I don't use any of the resources that I just talked about as far as Betterment, M1, or Wealthfront, but they can, like I said, assist with some of the, the basic guidance and questions maybe to get you started. Secondly, I personally believe that a personal relationship with an advisor uh, and the expertise of a wealth advisor is a little more beneficial than these, but uh, I would feel remiss if I didn't share these options with you because I know there are people like you out there who are maybe a little intimidated to come to a wealth advisor. So as always, feel free to hop on my Instagram page and DM me if you have any follow-up questions on these topics. I'm happy to to follow up with you. And then if you have any, like I say, follow-up questions, uh, we can get another episode to uh, address those as well. So I sure hope you've gained some knowledge today and over the last three episodes during this four-part series on investing, and I hope you've had enough knowledge to start some conversations with maybe your spouse or your partner or your wealth advisor to just gain some education and uh, get a better idea of where you're at or where you want to get going with your investing uh, journey. Uh, Take care and have a great day, and thanks for tuning in to Episode 5 of Women Own Wealth, and have a great day. Investment advisory services offered through Pine Grove Financial Group, an SEC registered investment advisory.